the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Well, our New Year series, 2024, The Bible, What Is It Good For?, is well underway. We introduced this series by putting to rest some of the unfortunate criticisms leveled against the Bible, criticisms rooted in ignorance, misinformation, or just sheer animosity. We devoted part two to taking a detailed look at how the Bible was compiled and organized, and that its uniqueness alone makes it worth defending. Last time in part three, we built on the Bible's single perspective of God's will and plan for fallen humanity. There we also let our fingers do the walking through some provocative statements made in both the Old and New Testaments. We saw that the God and Savior of the Old Testament becomes the God and Savior of the New Testament. We also came to wonder why we can talk about God in a broad sense, and nobody seems to get bent out of shape, but bring up the Judeo-Christian God of the Bible, or worse, Jesus Christ, and people naturally get defensive. There seems to be safe zones in place today where people can talk freely about God. The generic word in sense of God allows people to attach whatever meaning they want to the notion of God. Recall that memorable phrase I learned in Bible college, the scandal of particularity, which nicely summarizes a paragraph of information. It's a scandal to the human mind that God would choose to reveal himself at one particular time in history and in only one particular person, Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, that scandal was even felt back in the first century by the Jewish religious leaders when the Jews were under the oppressive hand of Rome and longing for a messianic deliverer. In John 5:16 through 18, John records their response to Jesus' teaching. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. 
You see, friends, their own Hebrew scriptures predicted a coming Messiah, and these very scriptures taught that this Messiah would be God himself. Zechariah 9.9 9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion! Shout, daughter Jerusalem! See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. Isaiah 43.15 says, I am the Lord, Yahweh, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. And Isaiah 44.6 reads, This is what the Lord, Yahweh, says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me there is no God. So, friends, it was common knowledge that Israel's God was Israel's king. One of the most amazing declarations ever made was when Jesus began calling his disciples. In John 1, 43-49, he calls Philip and Nathanael. Recall, Nathanael said, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Literally, a few breaths later, when Jesus acknowledged seeing him, Nathanael declares, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Whoa! A nice young Jewish boy brought up believing that their God, the God of the Jews, was also their King, now declaring Jesus was the King of Israel. This is why I said last time that the first century question has remained the 21st century question. Who do people say Jesus is? Well, friends, today's part four is, so how's your circulation? And you know, we're living in a unique time where Christian fiction is making its mark, not just among avid Christian book readers, but among mainstream book enthusiasts as well. This became glaringly evident to me back in 1995 when the first Left Behind novel was published and thereafter became a movie. Shortly after the book's release, the staggering statistic regarding its circulation put its distribution at 50 million. Well, friends, imagine with me another religious work containing 66 chapters begun by a single writer. But after the author completes just the first five chapters, he suddenly dies. But during the next 1,000 years, some 30 amateur freelance writers feel constrained to continue this religious work. Few of these freelance authors shared anything in common. After all, a few were different colors, some spoke different languages, and they lived at different times, even in different countries. They were also from totally different backgrounds and occupations, with different writing styles. Furthermore, imagine that when the 39th chapter was completed, for no apparent reason, the writing suddenly stopped. Not one word, page, or chapter is added for some 400 years. But then, surprisingly and amazingly, after this break, the writer continues with eight new authors, picking up the manuscript and adding the final 27 chapters. Now, friends, with all this in mind, what would be the chances this religious work would become a moral, scientific, prophetic, and historical unity? Your answer should be, not one in a million. Yet this is precisely the story of the formation of our Bible. 
Is it any wonder that this Bible we now hold in our hands has been dubbed the Book of Books? And rightly so. Friends, we can be confident in this Book of Books. And let me add a personal note here, because I want to make absolutely sure that you don't mistakenly view what I'm sharing in this series as mere information. Because this information may at first seem to have no direct bearing on or connection to our everyday life, our everyday toilsome existence, but nothing could be further from the truth. There's a reason why, I said earlier, we can be confident in this book of books. You see, friends, whether we're willing to admit it or not, the degree of confidence we place in this book is directly proportional to the degree of confidence we place in the God of this book. Our generation has seen the advent and the incessant hammering of our beliefs by so-called higher critics and liberal theologians. They've infiltrated our thought pattern and subtly eroded our confidence in this book and the degree of authority it holds in our lives. Additionally, on top of that, our society is increasingly characterized by tolerance, waving the banner that truth is relative. You know, true for you, but not for me. Allow me to just recall one doctrinal summary statement from last time, the statement I and my denomination believe about the Bible. We believe the Bible, the Old and New Testaments, is the inspired and authoritative written word of God. We believe the Bible is entirely trustworthy in all that it teaches and reveals, and that we are obligated to obey its teaching, and that all our doctrines and practices are subject to its authority. And friends, I said last time, that statement is like it represents a dangerous declaration, especially nowadays and in our so-called age of tolerance and relativism. It becomes increasingly difficult for us Christians to not appear like intolerant bigots when we attempt to defend the Bible and confidently assert that there is absolute truth. Sometimes it's helpful to investigate what the Bible actually claims for itself because it claims divine inspiration and authority in several places. One key place is 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. Now, Timothy, who happens to be the pastor in the church of Ephesus, you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, steadfastness, persecutions, and sufferings. Such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who want to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, but evil people and impostors will proceed from bad to worst, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing that from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, or holy scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God, and is beneficial or useful for teaching, for rebuking, or reprimanding, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable or thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
Friends, this last verse, verse 16, is just one of many Bible verses that supplies the motivation for carefully preserving, copying, and circulating God's Word. After all, don't we want everyone to be able to hear, read, and understand God's Word in their own language? Another legitimate motivation is the competition we face. There are other religious systems and worldviews abounding out there, competing for our attention, attempting to capture the minds and hearts of millions. And these religious systems have their own books that make their own claims. Here's a few of them. In the Quran, we read in the preface in part, Quran Majid is the textbook of Islam and comprehends the complete code of the Muslims to live a good, chaste, abundant, and rewarding life in obedience to the commandments of Allah in this life and to gain salvation in the next. It is the chart of life for every Muslim, and it is the constitution of the kingdom of heaven on earth. It is also for them a compass in the turbulent voyage of life. The Book of Mormon, in the opening paragraphs of the introduction, the Book of Mormon is a volume of Holy Scripture comparable to the Bible. It is a record of God's dealings with the ancient inhabitants of the Americas and contains, as does the Bible, the fullness of the everlasting gospel. The Jehovah's Witnesses' own Bible, in the second paragraph, says that translators of this work, who fear and love the divine author of the Holy Scriptures, feel toward him a special responsibility to transmit his thoughts and declarations as accurately as possible. They also feel a responsibility toward searching readers who depend upon a translation of the inspired word of the Most High God for their everlasting salvation. In the Eastern sacred writings, known as the Bhagavad Gita, we read on the back of the dust jacket, Bhagavad Gita is universally renowned as the jewel of India's spiritual wisdom, spoken by Lord Sri Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead, to his intimate devotee Arjuna. The Gita's 700 concise verses provide a definite guide to the science of self-realization. Indeed, there is no work ever comparable in its revelations of man's essential nature, his environment, and ultimately his relationship with God. You see, friends, as important and as powerful as our testimonies are, in and of themselves they can sometimes fall short of convincing others of the uniqueness of the Bible, its revelation, and our Christian belief system. That don't misunderstand me. Our personal testimonies, our own life-changing stories, are important. But for people whose lives are steeped in other religious systems, testimonies won't stand on their own. Let me tell you why, friends, from a personal experience. When I was in the corporate world communicating, commuting, sorry, commuting back and forth to New York City, I met and talked with a number of Hare Krishna followers who handed out literature and talked with passers-by. In fact, that's how I got my copy of their book, the Bhagavad Gita. They would tell me over and over how they've had a personal relationship with the Lord Krishna and what he's done for them and how he has changed their lives. Sound familiar? So it ended up many times just becoming a battle of the testimonies. Or can you top this? Well, friends, let's pause here a moment. You're listening to A Word from the Word with me, your host, Pastor Tom. I value you as listeners, and A Word from the Word is listener-funded. 
Your financial partnership is vital to keep this program on the air, which also disciples Christians without a church home, and you may have been hurt by the institutional church. Please join forces with me in A Word from the Word by emailing me for support details at a word from the word at minister.com. Friends, we're living in challenging financial times, and ministries are not immune. A Word from the Word is still seeking to become fully funded, and supporters are greatly needed. We'll repeat this info at the end of today's program. So friends, the only way to break up a stalemate of competing testimonies is to apply an objective, absolute standard by which one's testimony can be tested. Otherwise, we stay deadlocked in the realm of relativity, trying to convince someone why our testimony is more valid. We Christians sometimes forget that our testimony doesn't validate the Word of God. Rather, the Word of God validates our testimony. Our experiences are validated by the Bible's truths, which are objective and absolutely true. And as I shared earlier, the Bible itself furnishes the motivation for us Christians down through the ages to preserve, copy, and circulate the Bible. Jesus' own words should be motivating enough, right? At the close of Matthew's Gospel, he has commissioned his disciple to go and make disciples of all the nations. And at the close of Mark's Gospel, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to all creation. And we certainly can't forget Jesus' parting words in Acts 1.8, just before he ascended back into heaven, You shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, friends, here's some interesting trivia. If each of us gave out a Bible or scripture portion to a person every five seconds, it would take more than 92 years to accomplish what the United Bible Societies have done in one year. Well, before we take a look at the miraculous circulation and distribution of the Bible and scripture portions through the United Bible Societies, let's take a moment and review where we've come. First, our overarching goal in this series is to increase our confidence in the Bible, the book of books. Let's take seriously the Bible's admonition in 1 Peter 3.15. Set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense for everyone who asks you to give an account of the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and respect. Recall now, make a defense is where we get our English word apologetics. And it doesn't mean apologizing for our faith, but we take time to learn things about the Bible, the goal being to equip ourselves to defend its authenticity and its truth claims. This is why in part one, we saw the uniqueness of the Bible and how it's been the greatest influence for good in the Western world. It's impacted the family, employer-employee relations, discrimination, crime and punishment, humanitarianism, government, education, art, and music. Here we ask the ultimate question, what is truth? Next, in part two, we saw the uniqueness of the Bible in its continuity from Genesis to Revelation. We saw that in spite of the fact that the Bible was written and compiled over 1,500 years by over 40 authors in three languages on three continents, there's astonishingly one theme, the thread that runs through its pages. That thread is the theme of redemption, God's plan to redeem or save human beings. Each of the 66 books in the Bible's library 
story make a unique and special contribution to and embellish upon this theme. Last time in part three, we saw the uniqueness of the Bible and its claim to reveal the Savior of saviors. In fact, the Savior of the world, the God-man, Jesus Christ. In John 4, during Jesus' visit with the Samaritan woman, the people from nearby Sychar came to hear Jesus and concluded, It's no longer because of what you said, the Samaritan woman, that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one truly is the Savior of the world. So in today's part four, we're zeroing in on the motivation behind copying, circulating and distributing this unique book of books to all peoples throughout the world. Let's first glean some facts about book circulation in general. Many books make the bestseller list, selling a few hundred thousand copies. Occasionally, there are books that sell over a million copies. It's rare if a book passes the 10 million mark in sales. Now, here's some amazing facts about the Bible's circulation. The number of Bibles sold now reach into the billions The Bible's been read by more people and published in more languages than any other book. More copies of the Bible or Bible portions have been produced than any other book in history. The first major book printed on a printing press, the Gutenberg Press, in 1455 was the Latin Vulgate. Before the invention of the printing press, the Bible was copied by hand with extreme accuracy, contrary to popular opinion, in many cases by special scribes who developed intricate methods of counting letters and words to ensure that no error was made. Of the thousands of copies made by hand before A.D. 1500, more than 5,300 Greek manuscripts of the New Testament alone are still in existence today. The Bible text is better preserved than the writings of Caesar, Plato, or Aristotle. The evidence shows that the Bible we have today, particularly the New Testament, is 99.5% true to the original writings. The Bible holds the record of having the most handwritten copies surviving from ancient times. The Bible is the first religious book to be taken into outer space by the astronauts. In 1933, the English government paid Russia $510,000 for an ancient Greek copy of the Bible, the highest price paid for any book at that time. Finally, on May 22, 1881, the world's longest telegram contained the text of the New Testament from New York to Chicago, where it was printed in its entirety in the Chicago Tribune and Chicago Sun-Times. Friends, this vast number of statistics are all the more amazing in light of the many attempts to destroy the Bible since it was written. The earliest attempt was in 303 AD, when Emperor Diocletian commanded that all Bibles be burned. And during Diocletian's reign, thousands of Christians were imprisoned, burned at the stake, or tortured to death, rather than recant their faith in the living and written word of God. Now, friends, I admit that the information I'm sharing with you today alone won't prove that the Bible is the Word of God, but it clearly demonstrates that the Bible is quite unique among all books, religious and non-religious alike. However, these facts may help to clear away obstacles to faith that people erect and show that faith in Jesus Christ is reasonable. 
I know it's one thing to claim God authored the Bible and another to prove it. But the Bible has an amazing internal consistency and continuity, as well as external evidences of its accuracy from history, archaeology, literature, and science. Author Stanley Greenslade, in his book, The Cambridge History of the Bible, remarked, No other book has known anything approaching the Bible's constant circulation. Okay, friends, according to reports, the Bhagavad Gita has had 150,000 copies distributed. The Book of Mormon, as of 2011, published 150 million in 110 languages. The Jehovah's Witness Bible, as of September 2020, has distributed 220 million in 193 languages. The Bible, in 2022 alone, through the United Bible Societies, distributed 35.5 million Bibles worldwide. In the last five years, through the Bible Society Network, 1.8 billion scriptures, including more than 184 million full Bibles, were distributed. The Gideon Bible Society alone distributed over 2 billion Bibles worldwide since 1908. And the Wycliffe Global Alliance translated New Testaments or Bibles in some 1,865 languages. So friends, how's your circulation? Remember this saying, you might be the only per... per ah, excuse me. You might be the only Bible a person ever reads? That may be true, but it's no excuse for not sharing God's word with the people around you. Voltaire, the French writer and philosopher, died in 1778. He was an avowed non-believer and in fact boldly announced that a hundred years from his lifetime, Christianity would become extinct and pass from history. Yet, just 50 years after Voltaire's death, the Geneva Bible Society set up shop in his house using his own printing press to produce and distribute Bibles. Well, friends, a person looking for truth should certainly consider a book that has all the qualification I've shared with you today. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're at the end of our program, and as promised, we'll close with an email where you may write me and share your feedback on these teachings. This is also where you may inquire about how to help fund a word from the word and keep us on the air as a word from the word is listener funded. Friends, I love coming alongside the views without a church home or those of you who may have been hurt by the institutional church. Podcasts are at faithtalk1360.com or spotify.com. You can also find a word from the word on Apple Podcasts. And thanks to my friends and partners at christianbody.net, we broadcast in over 70 countries. Please make a one-time contribution or become a monthly partner this first month in the new year. It'll help us move ahead in the black. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.